Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. Welcome back to the Collective Scope Podcast. We are so excited to have Madeline Carroll on the show. She's an actress uh, in movies, been starring movies since she was three, Rob. Mr. Popper's Penguins. Oh, that's such a good <laughs> great movie. Flick. That's a great, great movie. Thank Listen, you. I love that one. I love that one. Listen, but she had me in tears in I Can Only Imagine. And I don't yeah. cry easy. Like, I'm not an easy cry. <laughs> but her work, and I can only imagine, and then God Bless the Broken Road, and she's done incredible things. And we want to welcome the show, Madeline Carroll. Welcome to the show, Madeline. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to have you. So, so to tell us, how long have you been acting? Rob referenced Mr. Popper's Penguins, which was a little little further back than others. 2011, but, I think, right? Yeah, so how long have you been in the business? Yeah, I've been, I've been in the business since I was three and a half. Um crazy god thing i just happened to be at a nail salon with my aunt um one day and my chair was back to back to a talent agent she just heard me talking the whole time i was getting my nails done and she came around the corner and um ended up like uh asking me to come to her agency and, and read for her and all that stuff and she took me on uh even though i was too young and uh ended up being my agent for 11 years wow. and it's funny you mentioned mr popper's penguins because while we've been in quarantine here in la i've literally it's been on the tv like every day and yet i did sit down and watch it <laughs> it's such a good movie so, so i gotta good. ask so we we are both communicators and preachers who have a struggle sometimes watching ourselves back or listening to ourselves back in the art yeah. form of preaching and even on this podcast is can you watch yourself in film or do you like criticize and are you critiquing everything Oh my gosh, I'm 100% criticizing everything. But it is, I will say it is a lot easier for me now, um, looking back at like when I was younger, I can watch myself in like Popper's Penguins or Flipped or Swing Boat um, way more now than I could before. I could do it before. I haven't watched those movies, I don't think since, maybe one other time since they came out because I couldn't listen or hear myself. But now that I'm older, I like to look back because to be honest with you, I'm just so grateful for for what God did for me then. You know what I mean? Yeah, At the time, yeah. it was just working. Like it was, I mean, I was so thankful to the Lord, obviously, always, but I looked at it so differently than I do now. Now I really realize, you know, how God's hand really was on me in those those times. And so um, I, I just like yesterday, I said, I was, we've been in quarantine here in LA and I normally would have never sat down and watched it with my dad, but he came across it on the TV and he's like, oh look, it's my girl. And then I came over and I had to sit down. I had to watch it because I'm just so grateful. I'm so yeah. thankful. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, I think without question, if we start talking about culture and influential industries, um, certainly the acting industry, uh, entertainment industry is is without a doubt probably one of the great influencers of, of our culture today, especially here in the states. But um, being a person of faith in that industry is is really really difficult. And I, you know, having been in California and for as long as I was, have a lot of friends who are in the industry uh, on different levels, from production to you know just straight up acting. But at the same time, uh, it's not hard. So I really would like to know. Sort of your faith story. How did you come to faith in Christ at the same time that you were kind of building and rising up in this in this career that typically doesn't lend itself very well to people of faith? Well, I grew up always, always loving the Lord. As, little, as far back as I can remember, my dad and mom took us to church, uh, you know, my whole life. But my mom and dad have always been Christian. And um, 
I just grew up in that in that atmosphere. But my own personal, really deep connection with the Lord started pretty young when I was like eight or nine years old. I remember um, feeling like I heard from the Lord and all that stuff. And uh, I just I'm I'm so thankful that God was so close to me at that time because um, you know when when I did swing vote, it kind of like. Um, up until then I had worked a ton, but when I got swing vote, um, when I was 11 years old, it, it put me kind of into this new, uh, sort of category. Like I've started going out on, um, bigger projects coming my way. And all of a sudden I'm auditioning with all these girls that I'm seeing on TV. And right. It was just different. It was just really different, but I was so close to the Lord at that time. And I remember I got offered this one project in particular, um, which would kind of be the only way I can describe it is saying like the Marvel movie of that time, like maybe 15 years ago, whatever it was. Um, and I remember really wanting to do it and I was going to get to learn, you know, all these cool things, but the, the movie itself, after I read the script, um, was just not something that would line up with my faith at all. Yeah. And I was so devastated and so confused at the time because I was like, well, this literally fell on my lap. This isn't normal. I was getting offered, you know, um, I think it was like a million five for the first movie and more for the second and uh, two picture deal. Like this, just this crazy opportunity. And um, I, my mom and I, we read, we read it and I, it just, it didn't really sit right with me. Um, but I initially actually signed on because they agreed to take out my language that I would have to say. Um, and so I go to church that night. It was like a Wednesday night service after going to the production office and signing all this stuff. And um, I'm sitting there and the pastor actually called me up to pray on this little boy who wanted to like receive hearing again. And I remember going up, I'm 11, I go up and pray on this little boy. And it was the weirdest thing. Uh, and I can just, I just have to be honest. It was just weird. But I saw like this um, kind of image of where I wanted my life to go. I saw, yeah. um, that one day I wanted to do more of that. I wanted to do more like ministry. I wanted to maybe speak one day. Um, and I just knew in my gut that like those two things weren't going to line up if I did this movie. Um, eventually it was going to affect where I wanted to go and came back to my seat and I told my mom, I was like, mom, I don't think I could do this movie. And she was, you know, really kind of relieved and was like, Oh, why? And I said, cause I just don't think that it's going to line up with where God's going to take me down the road. And I didn't know if that was real or not real. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it just blesses me so much because now that I'm here, I'm, I'm 23, just turned 24 last week. Um, and it's just crazy that literally like what God put on my heart when I was 11, like I, I arrived and it's so crazy. Like how God just, he's so mindful of us in every like season and every moment. And if we just, if we have an ear to hear and, and an eye to see and just being in tune with him, um, it's crazy how God's just like writing this whole book of your life. And we're just, we're just sort of getting there by the, by the best way we know how. And I'm just so grateful that he called after my heart at such a young age. At 11, and I think God has a special place for kids. Like, I think that's true. I think there's I a too. tenderness. I've got five in my house and I think my two youngest who are 12 and 13, like they hear from God better than I do some days. I think there's just a sensitivity to that. Um, how did you discern that at such a young age that that was the Lord speaking? Because you, you named the number, that was a lot of money, um, a lot of not just money, but but potential money. Because you do that film, you do another film, you, then who knows where, where, where it goes. goes yeah. How did you discern, even at such a tender age, God saying maybe not this one, um, because that seems like a, a tough decision at 11. 
You know, it was crazy too because um, we actually had a lot of uh, people like at my church and stuff that were praying for me because it was such a big choice. You know, we knew we knew that it was going to be a life changing choice. You know, there's some there's some roles that come along that you know exactly how they portray it on TV. You're like, oh, my life's going to be different. You know, um, and so we had a lot of people praying for us. And to be honest with you, a lot of people advised me to do it. Um, so even, even like our pastors at the time. So it was crazy because we had all that going on, but honestly, it's just like, I think of that scripture, I think it's in Matthew and it says, uh, when, when you pray, go into your father, close the door and he who sees in secret will reward you openly. And, um, I think just me going in to my bedroom and spending time with the Lord on my own, it's like you know, all of us have a different relationship with the Lord. And, and like you said, I think that there's just a purity when you're so young like that, mm-hmm. that God just really is able to, uh, to speak super clear. And yeah. I think as we get older, you know, it's definitely been harder for me to make choices like that. That was definitely one of the biggest opportunities, opportunities I ever got. It's actually gotten harder since I've gotten older to discern like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? What is you want me to do? Um, but I think at that time to answer your question, how did I do it? I just, I just knew, I just, I just knew in, in my heart, um, that, I mean, that he was speaking definitely, but what, uh, the thing I wasn't sure about was, um, you know, one day would I get opportunities like this to share about the Lord one day? Would I, you know, get the opportunity to speak? Um, and my heart always burned to do that. But in my young mind, it was like, well, God wants me to be an actress. I can't be a speaker because I'm supposed to be an actress, but it's just amazing to me how God's kind of brought the two together and I'm able to go and do ministry and speak and preach the gospel, which is my favorite thing in the world. Um, and then I also get to go and do movies and that's only by the grace of God and, um, me just falling to choose after him. I mean, there's another scripture I love. It's better to err on the ways of righteousness than err on the ways of the world. I thought that he was saying that I thought that was the direction he was taking me, but I wasn't sure by no means, but I would have rather followed him and fell on my face, you know, than to have just did what I thought I should do in the moment. Yeah. One of the things that I absolutely love about your story so far, and Jeff and I both are huge local church guys. Like, I still believe that the greatest power on earth is the local church for good, for hope, for serving others, for helping, for building others up. I just think it's, it, it is still God's solution, whether we recognize it or not, to empower and impact communities. So one of the things that I love about your story that you're kind of sharing so far is how involved you were in the local church, even at a very young age, and the influence that has had on you in your development, not only as a, as a professional, but also as a person, as a person of faith. Um, so one of the great challenges we have with uh, Generation Z, millennials, or whatever, uh, is this building this idea or this concept of the value of local church. Yeah, you're such a great candidate to talk about that. So, I mean, tell us kind of what the local church has meant for you growing up and kind of having feet in both worlds. Oh, my gosh, it's been everything. You know, um, that's been actually it's funny you bring that up. I was texting with Matt Brown about this. I was like, I really hope that after this quarantine's over, people aren't used to just sitting at home and watching stuff on their computer and that they actually want to get back into the church because. Um, you know, I just think it's so important. The community is so important, especially for young people, um, because my, you know, biggest people I looked up to were in the church. You know what I mean? I wanted my life to model their life because I saw that their life in and out of church was so healthy because they were there every single Sunday. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and I think, um, you know, I, when I was younger, when I was that age, I, uh, immediately wanted to be plugged in. I saw the change that it was doing in my own heart, um, being in church, weekly service, Sunday service. So I immediately wanted to serve. So I think when I was like nine or 10, I, I, uh, left my class and went to the newborn room to try and serve in some way, because I just wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And, um, you know, that's, that's God's call for us. We're a functioning body. You know, if, if I'm the toes, then I better be wiggling them. You know, if someone else is the head, then they better be moving. So I think it's so important. I think it's important for community and just to see how different your life can be. Um, my home church here in LA is the dream center. I don't know if you've heard of it, but the pastor Matthew Barnett and they actually bought out a hospital and they, uh, you know, taking homeless veterans, sexually trafficked women, mm-hmm. um, people literally from the street and rehabilitate them and then have them share their testimonies on Sunday. And it's the most encouraging thing to be a part of and see because it's so convicting when you're sitting in that church seat and you see how much someone's life has changed by church, by reading their Bible, by sitting underneath a pastor. There's just something about it that you don't really get yeah. uh, at home. And listen, I, I love my word. I mean, I love my Bible. That is is amazing. If you're on this podcast and you can't see this video, I want to tell you that is a well used Whoa. Bible. That is <laughs> awesome. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can get that the Zoom video yeah. and we'll take a snapshot of that. Yes. But that's a... And I love I love the Dream Center. I love Matthew Barnett. I'm not trying to advocate for anything. He's not been on our show or whatever, but um I've been there several times and uh, we used to take our youth groups up there all the time and work in the summer. Oh, no way. And, uh, I actually spoke in Angela's Temple about two thousand 14, 15, somewhere in there. So it's pretty you cool. You may know each other. You may, we, you yeah, may actually rekindle like a connection one of, my favorite, one of my favorite pictures of my youngest son, he's actually laying hands on Matthew Barnett and praying for him before he goes speak. It's pretty cool. So awesome. anyway, oh shout out God. to Dream Center. Awesome church. It is. Good people. You're in a great spot. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. They really are. They're uh, they're doing so much still during this whole thing. Yeah. Um, they've been uh, still functioning i mean the other day we went down and uh gave out meals with them but it just amazes me it literally was like the smallest group it was like pastor caroline pastor matthew because they have to keep it small because of the regulations right now but my god it blessed me so much to just see how they're still functioning they don't stop i mean you know it. they just don't stop yeah yeah it's amazing we uh we were a passion um back at new year's and levi lusco was there and i remember him saying something to this conversation about the online church. Now, now listen, the online church this past two weeks has been critical to us staying connected yeah. and getting yes. content. Um, but he said something that was, was poignant to me because he said, you can start to curate your faith and never sit under any kind of leadership or authority. Yeah. And and I think that's a critical point. But what you keep saying, Madeline, and I think is so great when we come back to it is, even in the season of decision, even in sort of in the searching and the, the the sort of route you've taken through Hollywood, you've sort of settled under spiritual authority, and that's been a critical voice in your life. Uh, speak to sort of maybe it's the Barnetts, maybe it's other voices, but how maybe those voices, the 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 overseers of your life, have really had impact on you. Oh my gosh! In the biggest ways, I'm I'm so thankful. Um, you know, 2018, the year that I can only imagine came out. It was crazy. God just opened up all these doors for me to. Um, to start sharing my testimony, to start ministering. So from because of that, I got to meet so many different pastors and things. And one of them who, uh, like Pastor Matthew, has been so amazing is Greg Glory. Greg Glory really mm-hmm. um, has been such a, a mentor to me, him and Kathy, um, in such a huge way. And I think it's so important to submit under authority because, listen, I don't know it all. I don't know what's best for my life. Um, and I think 
I think modeling that, like uh, submitting under uh, pastors is also a model for me submitting under Christ. I mean, yeah. I want to know what his opinion is over my life uh, more than anything. Um, what, what the Lord wants for me. What, and, and so I think, um, I think it's just, it, it's, there's something about, you know, even not even just myself getting fed, but being able to reach over and pray for the person next to you. There's just something that happens where two or more are gathered. He is in the midst. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think it's so crucial because you do get to like this plateau. I love what Levi Lusco said, because you th- you start thinking, you know, that you do know it all, that you do have all the answers, but then you go to church and you just get, you know, fact checked. Yeah. And I think it's important to be fact checked by the word of God. I do. I think that a, a, especially nowadays in 2020, a lot of people, I mean, you go on Twitter and it's just all these opinions, 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 opinions. But what does the word of God say? That's what I want to know. That's why it's so important for me to remain in church under people who are older than me and wiser than me especially because I'm so young is uh, the Bible says, look to those who have gone before you. And um, that's the way that I want to live my life. I want, I want people, I'm, I come from a family that's brutally honest. I want to hear the brutal honesty. I want to hear a pastor tell me right from wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think um, as you were talking, I was thinking about, again, just coming back to this, this local church conversation. And part of the whole reason why we started this podcast in the first place is because we have a strong passion to see, young people just like you, heavily engaged, fully activated in the local church, right? So um, from your perspective, obviously you have celebrity status. Obviously, you know, you're probably more well-known than your average young adult in church, right? But at the same time, um, how do you help other young adults or what's some advice you can give to get them engaged? Like, like we want them to serve. And I think, and I said this the other day on a different, on a different recording that this is probably the greatest season in the church's history where we need young people to lead us Yeah, because there are guys out there our age and older who have no clue what they're doing on social media or Instagram or on Facebook live or recording these messages. And we need young people to step in and say, this, this is your season to lead us and lead us well. So my point is, how would you encourage a young adult right now to just really get involved in church and say, there's something I can offer. There's something I can do. There's a way that I can make a difference. Well, I think that, um, gosh, it's, it's, it's hard to get people my age, especially who haven't ever lived in church before to come Mm -hmm. to church. Um, but the thing that I always try and do is let them know that I love them, whether they like it or they don't like it. I love them whether they come to church and they think it's great or they don't, I love them. And a lot of people uh, have been turned off in these big ways. You know, for me, um, I can easily fit into any church because I have been around church my whole life, but it is, it is scary to a lot of younger people. And I think um, just including them and saying, listen, we have a spot for you. We need you letting them know that they're needed um, and let, let the Lord come in and work on their hearts and, and do all that stuff. Um, but just letting them know that they're included and that they're necessary, that they're a vital necessity. A lot of people feel like they're overlooked nowadays, especially with social media. Um, You know, I know a lot of kids in middle school, sadly, are really struggling and suffering because of social media. Um, It's, it's terribly sad. It's terribly sad that, um, you know, they feel it, it's shutting down a lot of dreams because you look at people um, on social media who are so successful in whatever it is they're doing. And so it makes it feel like there's this really 
big distance. Like I'll never get there. Like yeah. I'm here. I'll yeah. never get there. And it's shutting people down before they ever time is to shine. And so I think just including them, letting them know that the church really needs them, wants to empower them, wants to encourage them. Um, and letting the Lord do the work on their heart. The thing too is, um, that I think scary though, as well about, uh, a lot of the, uh, the, the young people coming, uh, in is, and I don't even know what the answer is to fixing this, but I've just seen this. And I'm curious to see if you guys, um, have seen this as well is it's almost like they're coming in, they're accepting the message of Jesus. They're accepting the, you know, the message that he loves them, but then they're kind of using that to their advantage. If that makes sense. Like, Oh, I can still go out and, party Monday through Friday yeah. because Jesus loves me yeah. and it's okay. And that's all right. And they're kind of bending the the word towards their uh, own personal lifestyle. And I think that's a really big challenge that I myself am curious to see, you know, ways that the Lord will hopefully teach me to try and help with that. But have you guys seen that a lot in your, on your campuses and stuff? Do you guys, like, what do you think is the best thing to do about yeah, that? So that's, uh, she like flipped the tables yeah, on us here. I'm hey, a little uncomfortable with this. We're the ones yeah. asking questions. Okay. <laughs> no, great question. It's a great question. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we see it. I think it's pretty, pretty normal and nominal. Um, we are, this is a, a, a liberal arts Christian university. So kids, a lot of kids come here with church backgrounds and they get space and freedom and they sort of test the boundaries of that. Um, yeah. So we see kids completely divorcing themselves of faith for seasons. We see kids sort of playing the role of church because mom and dad want them to still attend. But Monday through Saturday, they're not living up to that. Um, and, I, and I think we do see some of, the, some of the, the abuse of God's grace, which is what that is. Like, I can go do whatever I want because God's going to forgive me. Um, where I think the rubber meets the road and where we talk about one of the local church pieces, and this is really the heart behind pardon me, a lot of things Rob and I have passions about. We, your friend Matt Brown that we talked to yeah. a couple weeks ago, he has a heart to reach people. Shane Pruitt, who you've talked to, we've also talked to you, he has a heart to reach people. Not that Rob and I don't, but our heart is bent towards discipleship. So mm -hmm. some of that is like, okay, you've accepted the mes message of Jesus. We got to start working on that formation of life, what that looks like, teaching and guiding them to the scripture so that the scripture can start to do the work in their life. The spirit can start to do the work in their life. So where, where the gap has got to be filled and Rob, you can, you can maybe speak to this as well is as much in an area of discipleship as it is sort of evangelism. It's a both. Yeah, and it's, it's a both. And it's always been a both. And biblically, it's always been a both. And I think, you know, when, when you ask the question, you know, do we see this? Yes, of course we see this. And I think, you know, for me, uh, you know, and Jeff and probably others as well, I think the, the challenge is, is helping them understand that faith is not about their convenience and it's not about their mm. social agenda platforms. It's, it's so much bigger than that. If we just serve a God who is concerned about our social agenda, and I'm not, I'm not banging on like, uh, social activist movements or whatever. I think Jesus was a social activist. That's that's very clear, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. he dealt with lepers. I mean, th those who are outcast, right? Isaiah 58, that's the kind of fasting that we're supposed to be doing is that leads mm. to restoration of the streets and all, right? That's that's what we're supposed to be doing. So, so it's not about that. But what it is about, I think, is learning to to understand that and, re and really be able to ask the question, 
am I asking God to put a stamp of approval on my plan? Or am I asking or am I willing to allow myself to give up things to really discover his? See, when, Come you, on. when you were 11, you were faced with that, right? I mean, yeah. there are 22-year-olds, there are 45-year-olds, there are 60-year-olds, 70-year-old people who still cannot contend with that question. What am I willing to give up? Yeah. Or what am I willing to sacrifice? Or how far am I willing to obey in order to really discover what Christ has planned for me? Because that's a that's a real scary question. I mean, we're getting ready to come through the end of the Lent season here, right? And Lent is so much more than getting an ashy cross on your on your forehead. That's super cool. Instagram that. Well, let's put it out there. But did you ask Christ what he wanted you to give up? Or did you just choose something to give up? Come on. It's all about obedience. I think mm-hmm. God honors that obedience. But it's, it's really about positioning your heart, positioning your mind, positioning your life in such a way that you're willing to ask that really difficult question to go deeper with him, to really obey him to the point of the cross. That's so good. What are you willing to give up? And I think that is the ultimate question that we're trying to help young adults, college students discover here. More than just how to practice church. I mean, we can create, I mean, Lee University, if you don't know, is a powerhouse of worship music. We have people on The Voice and on American American Idol, Idol, like, every year. They sing off, like, every year, right? But it's so much more than that, right? It's not about just practicing church. It's about learning to become the church, to literally be the hands and feet of Christ. And the only way that you can do that is if you can ask the difficult question that you asked at age 11. Is this what you want me to do? Is this what you want me to sacrifice? These millions of dollars, this dream, this goal, this vision. And I think, you know, if not that there's, I hate this, gosh, I'm trying to be really careful how I say this. Being positive in the midst of a crisis like we're experiencing right now with the coronavirus, right, is, is maybe slightly taboo to say. But what we're encouraging students to do is while they're cut off from the rest of their social you know, agendas and, and their Greek clubs and all the stuff that happens on a regular basis on campus. Don't waste this time to discover the fullness of who God is in your life because these are the moments that will shape and create your rhythms and your patterns and your faith for the rest of your life. So that's that's kind of where we are in this. And yes, to answer your question, and I know I've been kind of rambling for a few minutes. We do like to preach, by the way. So <laughs> it's so good. I'm like, I'm, right. I'm like, yes. But but we'll be to, taking to, it to, off, that's right. To answer your question, <laughs> of course we see it. Of course we see it. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to to combat. That's what we're trying to fight against. Is that that temptation to make faith in Christ an Instagram message because it isn't. Use it, but it's more yeah. than that. It's so much more than that. Yeah, we had we had house church um, at our house Sunday. We because we didn't stream anywhere. We just as a teacher preacher of the Bible, I was like, "Hey kids, we're just going to talk about it." Um, and I challenged my kids who are age ranging nineteen to twelve um, that the word of the Lord always requires a response, and either respond in obedience or disobedience. There is no gray space. That that if God speaks, there's either obedience. In disobedience, there's not in delayed delayed disobedience is still disobedience. So yeah. there uh-huh. is no gray space. If God speaks, you get the choice to obey or disobey. There's not a lot of gray space in between. Um, what we've learned, and what I think you're an example of, and I'd love to hear more of your story, 
is what we found is obedience always leads to blessing. Um, I know you talk about a season where you were ready to quit acting, that you were done with it. Um, tell us yeah. about that season. Yeah, man, it's so funny. Uh, you know, as you guys were talking, I kept thinking about um, Abraham and him sacrificing his one and only son and all that stuff. I feel like I've actually did that a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I've came to that crossroads because, um, you know, I did it at 16. Um, the role started changing. Obviously, I was no longer going to be the daughter. I was going to, you know, uh, have to you know, kiss and sleep with guys and all this stuff on camera. And I was devastated. I was like, I had went, you know, to such a peak. I'd worked, 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 and I got myself to this place that um, was, I, I was just uh, kind of taken off. And um, all of a sudden it changed. The roles that were coming my way were things I didn't want to do. And so when I was 16, I remember starting a fast. And I said, Lord, I really need to hear from you. Like, I need to know, do I stay or do I go? Because I don't really see much uh, opportunity here for me anymore, especially with my faith. It just not really seems to be lining up. And um, I started a fast. And on the first day of my fast, um, I'm at the beach with my family. And I literally, God gives me Isaiah 43. I'd never read Isaiah 43 before um, up until then. And it was literally like, it's one of those times where you read your word and it's just like God's like it's like it was written just for you you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and I just I needed it so bad and it, it talks about going through rivers of difficulty and not drowning and walking through fire of oppression and not being burned up and then at the very end it says behold I do a new thing do you not perceive it mm -hmm. and I remember uh getting up and I'm like overwhelmed and I'm crying and I'm like walking down the beach and I'm like thank you Jesus and I knew in my heart that you know it, it, when he gave me that word uh, like you said, there's obedience or there's disobedience after the word of the Lord. And it was like, okay, God, like, as long as I know that you're going to be there at the end, which is what I felt like he was promising me, I was willing to walk it out. Um, and I remember, uh, I know this sounds like really kind of corny, but it was so big for me at the time. I, I was walking down the beach at praying and I see this guy and he's building a sandcastle, but it wasn't like a normal sandcastle guys. This was like, it fully had like bedrooms. I'm not kidding. Like this guy <laughs> took like the like most amount of time they possibly could on this on the sandcastle and i'm I, I was passing him so he wasn't facing me and he's doing this thing and i passed by and i remember thinking to myself like gosh why bother he's so close to the the water like that's gonna be washed away pretty soon and i kept walking i turn around i'm coming back and when i come back i'm not kidding there was literally like a crowd of people taking pictures of this sandcastle and the guy was gone the guy who made it was gone and the, all these people around taking pictures. And I just so clearly remember hearing the Lord speak to my heart. And he said, Madeline, that's what I want to do with your life. Mm -hmm. I want to make it something that people stand in awe of what I've done for you. Mm -hmm. And they're amazed and blessed by what I've done for you. And again, I started crying. And I was like, okay, God. And then I'm, I'm willing. I'm going to go through this. And I would love to say that, like, the next day I got a call to be in a Marvel movie. Yeah. You know, I, it, that didn't happen. Another year goes by, another year goes by, another year goes by. But when I heard from the Lord, I purposed in my heart that I would not sin against him. And so I hung on and I hung on. Uh, finally, I'm 19. I end up getting a really big role on a show at the time. Um, and I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the big blessing thing. Three episodes in, I have a feeling not to go to the table read. And I go to church. It was a Wednesday night. I go to church. I get a call from one of the producers. And he says, Madeline, are you sitting down? And I'm like, uh yes and I instantly knew like I'm like this is why I had this feeling not to go to the table read 
So I go, uh, my mom pulls over and, and I'm on the phone and he says, I'm going to need you to read the, the, the script. Uh, I don't think you're going to be okay with it. So I, I open it up and literally like the opening, I'm supposed to like, you can't even believe the film, just like awful. I was supposed to have like a threesome on camera, like really bad. So I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like throwing up outside the car and I'm devastated. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm under contract and I'm like panic. And I'm like, there's no way that I like held out for this. This is awful. And, you know, I got out of the car and I started praying. And then I got back in the car and I said, mom, there's no way that God would have allowed me to avoid landmines my whole life to get here and backed into a corner. So I said, I'm going to get out of this. And I said, better yet, not only am I going to get out of it, but they're going to bless me as I leave. So I call my friend back and I'm like, listen, I can't do this or anything else. I'll drink, I'll do whatever, like on camera. I just don't want to do that. And um, they tried reworking it, tried rewriting it. And I'm like devastated. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this. There's nothing I can do. And um, I get a call that they're going to, they're going to work it out and that uh, they're going to, just replace me. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. And the next day I get a phone call all day long guys, like all day long. And from a number I didn't know, and I don't answer numbers. I don't know. And, um, finally they start calling my house phone. So I answered the phone and it's the lead actress whose show I left. And she goes, I just want you to know that I'm so proud of you for making that choice. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, don't ever forget that God is your director, God is your casting director, and God is your producer, and that you haven't let anyone down, but you have shined for the Lord. And it was literally word for word what I said. They mm. blessed me as I left. So God is just faithful in everything. And everything, every time you, you're obedient, every time you follow his voice, it leads somewhere special. And then right after that, guys, I had this whole fallout with the Lord and cried my eyes out and just devastated. I was like, God, what? what has it, this all led to? Like, why, why did you have me hang on? Did I mishear you? Was that when I was 16, was I supposed to do something else? Like, would you want me to be a dentist? Like, Lord, whatever you want. I this was the second time. I'm like giving it all over to God and letting my dream die. And I was like, here, Lord, take it. I'm done. And I said one last final sentence. And I said, but God, if you've still called me here and this is still what you want for me, then you better send me something. And I said, better yet, send me something that would edify you. And that's how I'll know that I'm still called to be here. And no joke. The next day, I get an email from Harold Cronk, who did God Bless the Broken Road, and he said, Madeline, I don't even know if you remember me. You met me a year ago. You came in an audition for me for a part I didn't get, mind yeah. you. Um, but we just, I don't know why I have you so strongly on my heart, and I think that you're meant to be in my next faith-based movie. Literally, word for word, what I asked of God, he came through the next day, and my whole life changed. After that, I got I can only imagine. After that, I did, um, I still believe, like, what the heck? I've never written anything in my life, and God would throw me into that. Like, it's just crazy how God, that he is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him, but my God, his gifts are endless. Yeah, yeah. That is so cool. I mean, you touched on a very, I think, sensitive subject. Like uh, like Jeff said, we, we did interview Grayson Russell um, last fall. And great show. And, you know, he's in the industry as well. And he talks about, you know, his, his struggle through faith. But sensitively, as a young female, where Hollywood loves to sexualize female characters. I mean, that is what it is. Okay, That's just, just what it is. That's just what it is. Um, you, you just mentioned that, you know, they, they wrote a script for you to, to be in a threesome or whatever that is. And those are very real everyday realities of a hypersexualized industry. In my opinion, that does exploit women to a degree, minimally to a degree for, yeah. for the profit of, of their movies. And, and that, I think it's okay if we say that I'm not anti 
Hollywood or whatever. I'm just saying that's what sells things. So as an additional layer to your faith, how has it been navigating for you personally, knowing good and full well that you're probably going to be asked to do things that male actors are not asked to do, especially yeah. when it comes to sexuality and those kinds of things. And so as an additional layer and additional pressure, how have you been able to just kind of walk through that? Oh my gosh. I just, my goodness, by just prayer and, and reading my word, because the most, the most discouraging thing is, uh, literally guys, maybe one out of 20 projects that come along is the one that you could do. Like it's, crazy especially in it now um it's gotten probably like five times worse in the past two years to be honest mm-hmm. um it's it's hard it's discouraging i'll tell you what it is is just more than anything as a believer um it's constantly asking myself like god am i is this still where you want me like i'm willing to put on the full armor and keep going but like is this really where you want me um and then you kind of uh, you go into other settings, you know, that aren't in the acting world, like going and doing the Harvest Crusades and all that stuff. And it's like all the good things get to shine. And then you go back to, it's like, it's, it feels like Hannah Montana sometimes. Like yeah. I have my church life and then I have my yeah. like movie life or whatever. And it's like you, you go to this place that like celebrates it and you get to do all these things and do all these things for God and be on shows like yours and, it's, so, it's like the best feeling in the world. And then like, I'll probably talk to my, you know, agent later today and probably not get very good news or not really get, you know, it's just so, it is hard because, um, in, in the, the acting world, they just don't really get it. They're just a uh, business mindset. Like you said, it's like profit mindset. Um, and they don't understand. I mean, when I, when that time that I was telling you about when I hit 19, um, and nothing was happening. I actually had just gotten off the phone to one of my reps. I got offered a TV show, another TV show. And I just knew that it wasn't going to lead to a good place. I knew it was going to lead to ton of conversations of, no, I really don't feel like, uh, being naked on the, this episode. No, is there anything else that we can, you know, and, and I ended up passing and my representative at the time literally said to me, uh, Madeline, I don't know what you expect. This is where you are now. You're an adult, like, there's nothing really out there other than this kind of stuff. And it was so devastating because I was like, God, how can this be? And my, my biggest, you know, mission statement for Hollywood and the girls in Hollywood is just because God's given you a gift doesn't mean you have to prostitute it. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that if you believe that God is who he says he is, he will make the path plain before you. And that's what he's done for my life. And um, that's kind of where the whole idea of like, maybe one day I would get to write or one day I would get to produce or one day I get to direct um, kind of prayer happened a couple of years ago after that phone call and everything. Um, and then to just see how God allowed that to happen, like with, I still believe in everything. Um, for me, it, it is hard. It's a daily struggle. It's a daily question of Lord, is this where you want me? Because I am willing to, to tough it out. But to be honest with you, uh, it's, it's, it's just, it's like a crawl. No one really understands. Um, but I think it's just purposing in your heart that I will stay and I will be where God's called me to be. No, it's not going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy, but I'm more afraid of God giving the call to someone else Mm. because I wasn't able to rise to the occasion. Mm. I know that God is, uh, going to, 
I'll see the Lord in the land of the living, I guess, is the biggest thing. I know that I will miss out on an opportunity to really see God do some amazing things if I step out of position. And uh, I was praying about it actually not that long ago uh, as to whether I was still, you know, meant if I was cut out for this and if this is what God wants me to do. And I just felt like the Lord said to me, Madeline, if you don't, the effects are great. And I was like, okay, God, straighten my back up and I'm ready to go back in because I I would rather just see. I mean, we don't know where life's going to take us. We don't know where the call of God's going to take us. But I just would rather see. I would rather see. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, I'm I am so proud of you because you were in the mouth of the lions. Then I mean, you you were you were there, and um, man, it, it is such an encouragement to me when I see young women like you who are willing to fight for their dignity. So, so thank, thank you, you very much. I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you guys yeah. for uh, just giving me this chance to even talk about it all. It's yeah, it's yeah. been a blessing. No, it's great. And, and one of the things I want to shift the conversation to, and, and I opened the show saying this, and it was in, in jest, but um, I can only imagine it was an incredible movie. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I still believe they shut the theater down here locally before we could get to it, but I think we're going to do the video on demand thing and watch it oh, thank at the you. house. Um, at least we hope to. Listen, I saw the trailer like a month ago, and I was like, well, I got to go. I like, I, I was a Jeremy Camp fan when he came out. I was like, I already know the end of the story, but yeah. like, go watch the movie. Um <laughs> But, Thank but, you. But the the capacity to make good art, because let's face it, Christian movies, um, Christian music, and really the Christian art forms have have had sort of a knock that they've not been good art. Now I feel yeah. like, I feel like we're making better art. How can maybe whether it's the film industry or other industries in the art forms, how can we redeem the arts? Um, not to simply be imitators of the world, but really to start re- creating new art that is yeah. of value and of beauty. Gosh, that's a tough question. Um, you know, it does have the rap for for being cheesy or corny. But see, the sad thing is, is like if you if you go back like 40, 50 years, like uh, Christian movie faith film actually like led the Oscar nominations and the Ten Commandments yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Um, so it's like how did it go from here to here? So it's almost like you're kind of, you have to turn all these people's uh, kind of attention back to it because it just, it just gets looked at as corny. But um, when I think the biggest thing, especially like in movies that I want to make is it's, it's for some reason, this is what I'm trying to figure out is when you put scripture on film, it just doesn't come out the way that it comes out when you're reading your word on your own or you're listening to a sermon. And um, I think it's just coming up with new ideas uh, involving people who are just talented and good at what they're good at. And um, I don't know, that's, that's something that I really don't know the answer to. I'm kind of getting digging in there for myself. I'm writing a mini series right now. So please keep me in prayer. But for me, it's like, I want to get my, my heart is for Hollywood. Yes, I love the church, and I'm, I'm for the church, and I love to speak to the church. But my heart is to get Hollywood to look at things that I'm making and then tell them, this happened because of who I serve. Um, that's what I want to do, and that's where my heart is. And I don't really know the answer to it yet. Um, I think it's just making things as realistic as possible, making um, situations as realistic as possible, not really putting the glossy lens on it that I feel like, Christian film for some reason feels that it has to do in order to appeal to its Christian audiences. Mm -hmm. But then you lose out on all these people who don't know God 
that uh, get really super turned off by it. So I don't know, but um, you know, maybe maybe in a year or two I'll have the answer. <laughs> well, we we're for you. Know yeah. that. Know that we we're Thank for you, you. And, we, and we appreciate what you're doing. Um, because let's face it, Rob and I have faces for podcasts. <laughs> Not Hollywood. <laughs> so, hey, 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 hey. hey, hey you guys better have our me on to talk maybe. about I don't know. my, my so, miniseries when it gets made. Yeah, so, we, but we appreciate that you recognize your call to that space of Hollywood. Because yeah. that's not where, where we're called. And and we know where we're called. And, and it's not the space necessarily you're called into. And, and again, you mentioned the body doing what the body needs to do. Um, and that means being called to different places, but working together to see the gospel communicated in a way that that is is relevant not relevant and cool but relevant in a way that's understandable and people can catch and so yeah and, and what i think is so cool about again we talked about young people in the church and all those things but but technology right now has allowed art to be made instantaneous only almost um i don't know if rob and i can count how many kids on campus have out of their dorm room or somebody's garage cut an album yeah. And they just yeah. drop wow. an album. I mean, so that's impressive. Um, the the paintings that we see, the, yeah. the the just so so I think there is this revitalization almost of art coming for the church. Um, my hope is the church opens its arms to it um, and Praise doesn't God. yeah and doesn't yeah. push it away because it doesn't look like it's always looked. If you like, we had uh, Alex Kendrick, you know the Kendrick brothers. <laughs> yes, sure with Giants, Jones. right? You know, yeah. So. So had Alex Kendrick come uh, last, no, earlier this spring and speak at chapel here. Um, and he just talked so eloquently about the progression of their movies, how they started off at a certain level and they've grown and they've grown and they've grown. But he talked about that as a process of discipleship, not necessarily a process of, well, we're making more money, so we're just making better movies. But it was, it was the faithfulness of our craft, right? Not prostituting our gift that he talked about as a part of that journey. And I think that's true for whatever our calling is, but especially yes. in art, the extent to which, again, we're willing to give it back to him, Christ, is the extent yes. to which he can actually make that sandcastle a lump on the beach, or he can turn it into something magnificent that other people stand around and watch. Yes. Right? So so I think, I think the fact that you feel this calling, this, and I, I'm just going to be honest, I, I think, individuals like you and there are other people of faith in Hollywood right so you're not alone but individuals like you who are bold in their faith in Hollywood are really apostles to this generation I mean you have such an apostolic kind of anointing and calling Thank that is you. so unique from anything yeah. else so keep fighting for good art keep fighting for wholesome healthy dignified expressions of who <laughs> God made you to be so yeah. And it, Thank and I, you. It'll keep getting better. Yeah, we're excited. Thank you. Yeah. So we have one final question. One final. So, okay. so I got to ask before we set up. Did you go, did you go to college, or have you just been doing the in the film industry? So when I graduated high school, I never thought that I would ever ever go back to school. To be honest with you, I actually I got my GED through the Dream Center with all the uh, cool. guys that were being rehabilitated, and um, it was awesome. But I did that because. Um, at the age I was when I was 16, I wasn't able to work hours of, as an adult. So I had to get my GED early, got out early, never thought I would go back to school after that. Cause I was like, I'm just going to be acting now. But, um, when that kind of started getting put on my heart to produce or direct or all that stuff, I was like, 
God, I feel like they're calling me in that area, but I don't know anything about that. And um, so I ended up actually going to UCLA for, um, for like six or seven months um, to study production, pre-production and film writing. Had no intentions of film writing. I just felt like I wanted to add that on there to see what that was like. And it was just so crazy how God works even through the small decisions. You don't even realize that he's working for you because then a couple months later, they uh, Irwin Brothers asked me randomly uh, if I would do this story for I Still Believe, the Jeremy Camp movie. Yeah. So it was just crazy how it all kind of uh, fell into place. But yeah, I went for just for a second uh, to learn those things. And um, I really enjoyed it. Awesome, cool. awesome. So we'll set the question up and leave it open to you in, in either avenue. The, the question typically is, What's one lesson you learned in college that you did that did not play, take? Let me start all over. That was terrible. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> try again. Like this is the beauty of movies, right? I can try again. Yeah. Uh, try again on the podcast. You know, try again on the podcast. <laughs> That's going on. <laughs> what is one lesson you learned in college or in your time in the film industry that didn't take place in a classroom? Oh gosh. Um... You know, I remember when I worked on Flipped a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years ago, I was like 13, 14 uh, with Rob Reiner. I remember watching Rob Reiner uh, directing and um, he was just so confident in what he was doing. It was almost like he had the movie edited before he even went into the editing room. Literally, we would do like one to two takes of every single scene. I'm not kidding, uh, which is really unheard of because I've worked on sets where we've did like 80 takes of one shot. So... Um, I think that I've really kind of just in everything in life, honestly, went back to to that and watching him just being so confident in what it was that he was doing. Because I believe that confidence is key. I believe, like you were saying, that when you're called to a specific thing, other people really aren't going to understand it. So don't question what they're thinking of it. Just go for it and do it with all confidence because God's called you there, not them. And um, I've carried that with me. That was not something I even learned at home. That was just from watching him um, on set. And I will never forget it. Um, confidence is key. And I've seen a lot of unconfident people in, uh, you know, on sets and in Hollywood. And being unconfident kind of doesn't really get you anywhere. And so, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I learned. That's great. Great cool. lesson. Confidence is key. Well, how can we say connect with you? Uh, I have Instagram at Mads Carol too, and I have Twitter. Uh, I'm Maddie Carroll. That Very those good. are like the two I'm mainly on. I don't have Facebook. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. So we are listen. We are overly just excited to have Sorry. you on the show. We love what you're doing. Love the space Thank that you. you're operating in. Love the the gifts of God in you and the calling that you're living out. And we are praying for you. And as we always like to say here at the Click Let's Go podcast, you have a seat at the table. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. And please keep me in your prayers. <laughs> See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Plexus Co. Podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders? Yeah.